two in the second half. We come now to one of Jesus' most famous descriptions of himself. I am the good shepherd. Beloved, of all the images that Jesus uses to describe himself, this one must be the most popular. We hear, we read these words, and images come to mind of the Jesus with the perfect hair, flowing robe snugly in the little lamb close to his chest, while other lambs lie peacefully at his feet. Or we picture an idyllic scene of Jesus walking across the mountainside, gently carrying a Christ-embossed indelible image that has its roots in Sunday school lessons, if you will, kitschy, kitschy painting. But is it an accurate reflection of what Jesus is revealing about himself? When we think and talk of Jesus as the good shepherd, has generic sentimentality overshadowed our understanding of the specific and startling selfless Savior? These questions linger in our minds, lectures in Jesus once again shares with us his identity as the shepherd. The Gospel of John, chapter 10, beginning with verse 14. I am the good shepherd. Excuse me, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters. The man runs away because he is a hired hand.
nuance of the word know is understanding that comes from experience. By being present, spending time with God. Shepherds do not simply know the terrain. They know how their flock will react. Experience with their sheep informs the shepherd of how far his particular flock can go, how much his flock can take. After a while, a shepherd instinctively knows if any of his sheep are ill or dangerous. Shepherds listen with skilled ears, knowing when the flock is agitated and knowing when it is at rest. Through their quality of life together with the sheep, they are able to lead them. They play a melody that we recognize. That song has been printed on the sheep and comforts them in their isolation. This isn't the first time that Jesus is characterized in the image of a shepherd. In the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus arrived in Galilee by boat, Mark pulled back a comment when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. As a shepherd, Jesus knew that God's people needed tending. He knew they needed to be comforted. He knew that they needed to be fed. So Mark goes on to tell us that Jesus gathered them together in groups, fifty and hundreds, and made them sit on greasy rocks. And then he fed them. Beloved, here we have another way to look at the feeding of the 5,000 as we discussed a few weeks earlier. Jesus is shepherding his flock. Paperless technology, more and more of my, my uh, accounts or vendors pitching for accuracy of, of faith and fees, and more and you see them in the mail. Paperless technology and online accounts, after a while, it's great in terms of convenience, but after a while, it can make a person start to feel like a number instead of a person. Think about it. We're more and more identified by our account numbers, by our access codes, than by our name. When we're contacted, we're contacted typically more and more by our email or home address. And if you pay any attention to what's in your inbox or what's in your mailbox, most of our correspondence these days comes addressed to residents, occupants, users. Whether you live in ancient times or modern times, it isn't hard sometimes to feel a lack of identity. In an often impersonal world, we can start to believe that we're unknown that we're just a number or a face in a crowd. And it's when we're in this state, when we find ourselves in this place, when you find yourself to be a lost sheep, that the sheep have chased you behind the sheep. You are not alone. I am not insignificant. We are not invisible. Jesus knows you. Jesus knows me. Jesus knows us. Like a shepherd of his day, Jesus knows everyone by name. We're not just a bunch of cattle to this Jesus. God. This Jesus doesn't just pat us on the back or kiss us on our forehead every now and then and then move on through the flock. Like a shepherd of his day, Jesus connects with us. He leads us through the day-to-day of our life. This Jesus knows what it's like to walk in our shoes. This Jesus has experienced the daily grind of feeding sleeping and grazing in the wide open spaces of this world. This Jesus knows what it's like 
and we think of Jesus as the divine judge. The word used here, you can also mean beautiful. It's ironic that we just sang this beautiful hymn. You put these two words together, kind and beautiful, and we might be tempted to think that Jesus is saying that he is the moral judge. The idea being that Jesus is so virtuous that he's winsome in his personality, winsome in his demeanor and his behavior. But this isn't quite right. The root meaning of the word for good used here in Greek is more akin to the idea of nobility or worth. If you translate the words of Jesus this way, I am the noble judge, there wouldn't have been a Greek translation of this. Jesus is the noble judge, the genuine, the most excellent, the true judge. To appreciate the connotation that's being used here, let's pay attention to what else Jesus tells us. Jesus makes a contrast between himself and bad or false shepherds. Once again, a shepherd's job was severe and often hazardous. By subjecting oneself to regular stress from both wild animals and thieves, it was a vocation lived in tension. A tension between doing one's utmost for the sheep and exposing yourself to all kinds of dangers such as getting killed. Your flock is under attack and things are beginning to look dire. A shepherd typically has two choices. You either flee for your life, or you offer up one of the sheep, throwing it to the wolves, as our text throwing it to the wolves in the hopes of saving the rest of your flock. Jesus, however, refuses to embrace either option. In fact, he characterizes the kind of shepherd who would accept, would accept either scenario as a false shepherd. The kind of shepherd who runs when danger comes shows his true colors, he would tell us. By focusing only on his own self-preservation, by focusing on his own self-interest, such shepherds reveal that they are not shepherds at all. They are hired hands. The hired hand is not the shepherd. Hired hands are distinguished by their lack of commitment to the sheep. They care nothing for the sheep. So when the wolf comes, they abandon between his sheep to the end danger, willing to stand firm on the razor's edge, Jesus will not abandon his sheep no matter what the cost. Remember, success or failure comes down to one thing as a shepherd, one thing and one thing only, protecting your flock, making sure that the sheep in your care survive. That being said, it's still rare, and it was still rare then for a shepherd to die for his sheep. A shepherd didn't plan on dying for his sheep. Rather, he planned to live for them. After all, you can't protect the flock if you're feeding them. When a shepherd died defending his sheep, it was a tragic accident. It usually spelled disaster for the flock. They ended up being scattered. They ended up being easy pickings for the predators. They ended up dying, getting lost. So, better to lose a few sheep rather than the whole flock. noble shepherd. He is not only willing to die for his sheep. Beloved, if we pay close attention, he's not only willing to die for his sheep, but Jesus tells us he actually plans. 
shepherd isn't just willing, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is unexpected The false shepherd saves his prospects and preserves his livelihood by running away or offering someone else up to be killed. But Jesus is the true shepherd who reveals his reputation, who saves every single sheep in his care by his willingness to lay it all on the line to give everything for his flock. Jesus is the true majestic shepherd who draws his sheep to him through his nobility, through his kindness and compassion. Remember, the whole point of this is very simple. This is not some sentimental, warm, fuzzy kind of love. That kind of love is nice, but it's not compelling. This is true love, the kind of love that holds nothing back, the kind of love born of unconditional commitment, the kind of love we all desperately want, the kind of love we all crave but cannot find, the kind of love we cannot have apart from this Jesus. How many of us want to be loved like this, to be cared for like this? And yet, how many of us, all of us, are found wanting when it comes to loving Using the 
definitive article, Jesus is declaring himself to be the definitive article. He is declaring that he is the shepherd of the shepherds. Or if you will, Jesus is saying, I am the only shepherd. as we know, was a common image used for rulers in Israel. As we've seen, the image of a shepherd represented versatile strength and a deep ability to nurture. It was a picture, if you will, of engaged leadership that harkens all the way back to David. Shepherd David. David, in many ways, was a prototype for a shepherd and a king. Unfortunately, we don't know the Bible. None of the kings who came after David them fulfilled what the earlier models anticipated, the final perfect version, the definitive king. In fact, if you know your Bible story, history, most of the kings after David didn't even measure up to the prototype. Their leadership took Israel backwards, not forward. They didn't even fulfill the minimum job description. In other words, they were terrible shepherds. By the time of the prophet Ezekiel, in fact, God is complaining about the shepherds of Israel, lamenting their failure to care for the sheep. Rather than caring and nurturing for their sheep, the kings of Israel were leading them astray, leading them apart from God, calling people to accountability and submission, seeking mercy, didn't play well with the people. They didn't offer a lot of job security. So shepherd after shepherd of Israel told the people that they were wrong. Today, as the Jewish celebration of Hanukkah. During this feast, the people 
focused on their priestly leadership. The priests reflected on the leadership failures of the past, specifically with the time of the Maccabees. It's not recorded in our Bible, but that is not that chapter in your Bible. Ezekiel chapter 34 was one of the primary questions read aloud in the day of Ezekiel. The people listened as Ezekiel outlined the deficient shepherding of Israel's rulers and at the same time looked ahead to a future perfect shepherd. It's in this setting that Jesus announces, I am the good shepherd. It's also why when Jesus speaks of his unity with the Father, he is giving the answer to the age-old question, which is it? And at the same time, is unveiling an incredible revelation. For Jesus claims that the Father Shepherd is both God and man in Jesus. In Jesus, God chose to come down from heaven to shepherd his people directly. As the spiritual leaders of the day, the Pharisees are mistreating one of their own flock. Remember, excommunicating a blind man who was healed but wouldn't stop pointing to Jesus. God in the flesh has come to care for his people. He delivers his people to bring his flock through Thank you. 
talked about it. Let's pray that his holiness would operate in me and do nothing. I'm not going to move from this location that I'm not going to be saying anything. I'm nothing. I'm not going to do anything. You're still not safe because life is coming at you.
sins of our past, secure that all is broken in our lives and in our worlds will be mended and made right, secure that death does not have the final word because we have not sinned against Christ. We are secure. My beloved, if you understood this, that the picture is now fully coming into focus, and we need to also understand that being secure in Christ means that we don't play it safe when it comes to sharing Jesus with the world. We reflect that compelling love of Jesus by willing to risk, by being willing to lay it on the line, by being willing to pay nothing back from those who are lost for a change. This dovetails nicely with where we were last week, where we hear Jesus talking about being the gate, and the church has adopted this posture of being gatekeepers. I think part of the reason why we do this as the church, we are gatekeepers, is because we think that being in Christ is about being safe. But when you understand that being in Christ is about being secure, you don't keep the gate, the gate is blown wide open. And we're not just protecting the pastor. That's not our job. Jesus protects the pastor. We're out in the pastor. We aren't keeping the gate locked or guarded. We're venturing out into the world that God's called us. We're realizing and recognizing that Jesus has other sheep that we may not have considered. As he himself says, John chapter 15, we recognize and realize that Jesus may have sheep that we didn't even expect Those others were understood, understood to be the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were essentially just the outsiders, the non-Jews, those who were foreign to the faith, the strangers. Beloved, centuries later, the definition of a Gentile hasn't changed much. It's the outsiders, the strangers, the foreigners. It's the people that we least expect Jesus to call to him. It's the people that we least expect Jesus to call to him that, surprise, surprise, Jesus is often bringing into our lives and our communities. Because we're all And Jesus is the shepherd. Our security in Christ isn't a basis for our evaluation and judgment of other sheep. We leave that to him. Our calling is to share the pastor. Our calling is to share the kingdom, to love as he can love, to forgive as he can forgive. So, my brothers and sisters, see the picture that is before us in John chapter 10. See it for what it truly is. Jesus is the good shepherd, the noble shepherd, who draws us in, whose voice we recognize that he's not like the rest of us. He's not like anyone else, in fact. He is the one we've been waiting for. He is the one who calls us to a love that is so compelling because it is a love that is not safe. He calls us to a love that is risky. And this love is so risky that he's willing to risk everything for us. The death of this Jesus will be no accident. If you have any doubt as we come to Good Friday, John will make it clear, no one takes this life from Jesus. He gives it, he lays it down, and he takes it up again of his own accord. This will be part of the revelation of just how noble this shepherd is, of just how faithful this love is to us. It is a love that is not safe. It is the kind of love that is so secure, so lasting, that as Paul writes, nothing can separate us from it. The death of our shepherd cannot bring us back to the Father. We 
through his sacrifice, we will not be scattered. We will not be lost. We will be gathered together in Jesus Christ. By his wounds, we will not become chickens for the predator. We will not be exposed 